Common sense is not so common. And in an era where global uncertainty is rampant and government is out of control, this is the show making sense of all the madness. Broadcasting live from the Arizona desert, you can't dodge the Hodge. Here's your host, Dave Hodges. Hey everybody, Dave Hodges here, host of the Common Sense Show, where the show that's freeing America, one enslaved mind at a time. Thanks for staying with us into our guest segment. And uh, that intro was interesting, wasn't it? Well, if you found that interesting, you're really going to like the interview we're going to do with Lieutenant Colonel Roy Potter, retired, and uh, he's also a former police officer. And, oh, we're going to get into his background, and we're going to get into his observations, and I'm going to tell you, they're compelling. It's a message that needs to be heard today. And there is wisdom in his experience, and we're going to share that here on the Common Sense Show. But before we go to our guests, we got to keep the lights on. And we keep the lights on by making products available to you that we believe that you'll need. We don't accept random advertising. We're very, very selective about what we do. And we're going to talk to you about food and water very quickly. Uh, food inflation's already tripled from a year ago. Uh, in select areas. There are shortages in select areas. My wife has quotas put on her when she goes to the store to buy meat. My sister has experienced the same problem. And I'm sure a lot of you have too, and it's only going to get worse with the Three Gorges Dam situation. China's a buyer that's going to drive up prices to unbelievable levels. In other words, if you're not fully stocked for two years and have seeds, you are limited in your time you're going to be able to do this. And that's not a scare tactic, folks. Pay attention to what's going on. Restaurant quality food is what we offer at MPS. It's terrific, guys. Listen, I've eaten this, and I've tried it a few different times, and I've tried the different servings, and it's really good. 25-year shelf life, that's all I need to say. But I also recommend that you hide it, some of it, too, because the undercontinuity of government, they can come take your food from you. So that's another topic for another time. So how do you get your food? How do you take advantage of the $100 off the four-week special, which people are buying multiple sets of? You go to preparewithdave.com preparewithdave.com and you'll see the discounted special there and I would recommend you order as much as you can afford to order and if you need food you need water and you need water filtration in the future if we have a prolonged water crisis water shortage you won't have trouble finding standing water you'll have trouble finding drinkable standing water and we've got the best filter out there the research that justifies that claim is at waterwithdave.com yes they compare themselves to other entities that do the same thing and there's some good products out there but this product came out as number one and for while supplies last and the key word is while supplies last they're offering their water filter the Alexa Pure Pro water filter for 40% off so I would recommend acting quick on this we ordered two of them because sometimes you lose things things get stolen things get broken so I'd recommend that too. go to waterwithdave.com so you got the food preparewithdave.com you got the water waterwithdave.com and now we've got Roy Potter with Dave. And Roy, I, I, I got to tell you, I'm so impressed with your credentials, your background, and, and I love getting uh, advice from people who sat on the other side of the desk in the military and have not just an operational point of view, but a soldier's point of view. And uh, the wisdom that you've lived enough life to look back and see what works and doesn't work. And so we really appreciate you being on. But for the listeners who may not be f as familiar with you as I am, can you tell people a little bit about your background and welcome to the show? Certainly. Well, thank you for having me, Dave. It's uh, it's an honor. 
And uh, I guess I, I should start out, obviously, saying, you know, what got me into all of this. And basically, it was my background. My mom and dad were very much into concerns about constitutional issues, the Bill of Rights, those types of things. And they were actually friends with President Eisenhower. Uh, my mom had been uh, on his staff in Britain uh, during the war uh, when he was the uh, the Supreme uh, Supreme Allied Commander of, of the uh, European forces there during the war, and my mom was on his staff as his uh, financial, financial and fiscal officer. Wow. So they stayed friends uh, through the years, and I can still remember uh, going to, I don't think it was the White House, but going somewhere where he was and uh, and, and hearing him talk with my parents. So that, that was really, I think, what got me going. Of course, you know about his technocracy warning about the 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 dangers of the of the technocracy that was coming and uh, i'm certain i heard some of those things and then with my mom and dad uh, discussing those things as well as i was growing up i i think it rubbed off on me and i went to my first john birch society meeting when i was in high school and i wrote a letter to my state senator at the time and uh, proceeded on from there and basically uh, figured that i could get into the army um, i started out as a as a medical student, actually, a pre-med student. I wanted to be a doctor, but um, I'm really not that bright. And when, I, when I got to biochemistry, I could not do rote memorization of, of carbon chain molecules. That was just not my forte. So I gave up on the idea of being a doctor, but I had enough of, uh, of the credits that I needed in law, because I had taken law as a minor at that point, I shift over into, into a major. And so I got a, an undergraduate in law at that point. And uh, as, also, I, I went into ROTC. So I was commissioned in the Army, and I thought, oh, you know, I'm going to go change the world. You know how youngsters are. They, yeah. they figure that you know, their idealism, they're going to get everything fixed. And it wasn't too long. I, I mean, it wasn't more than maybe a year and a half into it uh, that I realized that things were broken, just like I had heard my parents talk about. And so, without getting into too much detail, uh, I got into a situation where I ended up having to testify against the Brigadier General, and uh, also got involved in 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 the way that, that the military and the federal government, uh, uh, especially actually, I should say, the FBI. Uh, that's my first my first uh, shoulder rubs with the FBI were very very bad. As far as my my respect for them, I, I lost respect for what they are and what they do very quickly. On this was in the late 70s, uh, I saw how they would set people up, and and I just I just I just thought it was reprehensible under the circumstances. So at any rate, uh, I, I stayed in the army for four years, active duty regular. Uh, I was a military police officer and decided I wanted to be a civilian police officer, and I went, uh, as, uh, uh, as you know, to Murray Police Department in Utah, and uh, stayed there for two and a half years and, and had to summarily leave. I don't know if you want me to get into that. No, I, I think not, this but... is a compelling story. It speaks to your nature and character. Okay, well, that's I, I appreciate that. Of course, it's very foreign to most people. Uh, I didn't, because of my upbringing, I was always a studier. Uh, I never took anybody's word for granted. Uh, for instance, uh, my parents were actually Jehovah's Witnesses when I was first born, and then my mom and dad had a disagreement with them, and so my mom took us back to Catholicism, which is what she had been prior to that. And then, uh, and, and just like in the Witnesses, they study a lot, and, and as a Catholic, I did the same thing, 
And I came up with questions on things like the Inquisition and uh, that type of business and uh, asked questions that weren't uh, well received, but they didn't excommunicate me for it. They just said, you know, uh, we've changed and all that. And I said, yeah, but, you know, there's some other problems here. What do I do? But I don't mean to step on anybody's toes here. It's just my search is all it is. Uh, Somebody else's searching might be a little different. But uh, I I investigated some other religions. I studied uh, history. I studied uh, all sorts of different uh, holy books, uh, holy writ, not just the Bible. And then uh, when I was a senior in high school, my mom uh, introduced me to some Mormon missionaries. And as a result of that, um, I I did get into the Mormon church. And some people say, well, if you studied so much, how did you do that? But the bottom line is is that uh, I did the same thing. I kept studying, and then I came up with questions, and I said, now, wait a minute. You know, you you guys told me this, but this is the real situation. Why did you lie to me? And as a result of that, um, I got into uh, – some people would call it uh, Mormon fundamentalism. It's really not. In my estimation, it was actually based on biblical scripture, and I won't – I'm not trying to – argue the point here just tell you what happened so uh i looked at a lot of these things and they made sense to me and one of them was a situation where you where you have multiple wives and uh i didn't do it because believe me uh, as a matter of fact i had a i had a a guy from the bbc interview me back in the 80s after i was fired from the police department and uh he said oh it must be wonderful having more than one wife and i said no 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 you have no idea what you're talking about but uh at any rate so uh, amongst other doctrinal issues that was actually the last thing that i looked at and i decided that maybe that was something i should do and uh, my wife and i talked about it and, and we agreed on it and so that's what we did and uh by that time i was out i was out of the army uh, i was leaving the army and that's when i went to work for murray pd I was with them for two and a half almost three years and then they decided that i i couldn't be a police officer and uh have multiple wives even though i hadn't i hadn't married them uh, in, the, in the in the you know with licenses and certificates and all of that but it was the idea that i was doing this uh i wasn't just having girlfriends if i had had girlfriends that would have been okay uh, they even told me that, but you can't call them wives. So just because I was willing to honor these women and not throw them aside, uh, that's when they decided. And that was, it was pushed on me by the Mormon Church. The, the police department was forced into that by the Mormon Church, that, who, of course, you know, held a lot of power and still does in Utah. And so uh, I left the uh, Murray Police Department, um, and uh, it, it became an international story. I was on Bill Donahue, Larry King, I mean, you know, uh, CBS Morning News, uh, Good Morning America, national and international shows, uh, all that. Uh, and I don't look at that as being anything other than that I was trying to explain my position. I was actually in court, and I was trying to make sure that people understood my position. Well, at any rate, uh, uh, It went all the way to the Supreme Court, but the Supreme Court, even though there was another case exactly like mine in Michigan, uh, although the guy in that didn't claim religious, um, uh, you know, First Amendment, uh, he just said it was right to privacy, and the courts ordered him to go back to work, the the police department had to take him back to work. But my case, which was exactly the same, but I had an additional argument of First Amendment uh, religious freedom, uh, they went against me on that, and uh, the Supreme Court decided uh, not to issue a writ of certiorari uh, to the district court and the and the appellate court. So I was stuck without a job. Um, shortly after that, 
the Army had kept track of me all this time. They had written up stories about me in the Army Times because I had been in the Army, and I technically still was. I was in the reserves at the time. And I got a call one day. Uh, actually, I got a letter, and the letter it told me that I had to go to a recruiting station and call back to the military police branch at what was then called Arpers in the Army Personnel Center in Missouri, uh, St. Louis. So I did, and uh, basically made the call, and uh, Lieutenant Colonel Carey, I can still remember him, <laughs> He, uh, he answered the phone, and I said, well, hi, sir, this is Lieutenant Potter. I understand you're looking for me. And it was like, you know, they had just met a celebrity. I mean, I, they passed me around to everybody in the office to talk because, like I said, I had been in the Army Times, USA Today, all this stuff. So anyway, the, the, the Lieutenant Colonel said, well, look, Roy, uh, or Lieutenant Potter, uh, you, uh, you know, they took your badge and your gun away in Utah, but we want to give you one. Will you come back with, in, in, into the Army with us? So I did, and uh, I did, uh, you know, I, I continued on in that uh, uh, reserve and uh, active for, well, until 2004, traveled the world, uh, had worked in military police and military intelligence fields, uh, saw a lot of things. One of the biggest things that I saw was uh, going to uh, Yugoslavia and seeing how the balkanization of Yugoslavia worked how it was torn apart in these different divisions, and that's why I talk about the balkanization of America so often. And, uh, you know, saw some really horrible things as far as what we were doing around the world as as a, as a an Army officer, and uh, it, it really bothered my conscience. All the things that I heard Eisenhower talk about and my parents, I realized that we weren't in Germany to protect them from invasion from the Russians, but we were there still occupying Germany as a... As a uh, as a country that that we had conquered, and uh, same thing in Japan. When I went to Japan, I could see that that was the case there. So these things bothered me for a long time. Uh, I worked for some other um, military folks that I that I lost a lot of respect for, even though they're held in high esteem even today. And uh, when, as you know, when I got home, I I kept a journal while I was gone, seeing all these things, and so I. I uh, I have this entry in my journal, and in 2011, uh, I decided I had already started my YouTube channel, but it was mostly on uh, things like Josephus, you know, his, history, religious history, uh, science, uh, quantum theory, things like that. But I switched over right about that time because I thought I should speak out about what I had seen and learned. And as a result of that, uh, again, I, I started my YouTube channel. One of the first things I did was I made the the, the video resolution of a former idealist, which uh, where I, I read out of my journal about how I felt about what I saw that America turned into an empire, not the beacon of light to the world on liberty. And uh, that's that's kind of why I'm where I am today. Uh, I think that probably winds it up. If anybody wants to see my my personal philosophy as far as the United States is concerned, and I hope they understand that I have I have more than just deep respect for our founding fathers. Uh, despite all of their errors, nobody said that they were, you know, gods or anything like that. They were men. They had foibles, too. But what they wrought back then about personal liberty and uh, putting this, this government together uh, was absolutely uh, important to me. And I wanted us to stand by principle and not become an empire. And so uh, here we are today. That's why I speak out the way I do. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, your background spiritually, religiously, is not going to be in the mainstream of people who listen to this show. So let me ask you this question. Do you find that people confuse 
your background with your message? And if so, how do, how do you get around that? Oh, there, there's no doubt about it. As a matter of fact, uh, when I did, when I first started speaking out in 2011, uh, you know, I, I know when I'm getting probed by intelligence people, obviously, you know, I would be quite familiar with that. And uh, I saw some things coming up on my YouTube channel uh, where they were basically attacking my, my military background, saying I'd never been in the military. Yeah. You know, all the, all the standard accusations that they make, or you never did anything. I, I was a lackluster officer. <laughs> you know, I don't make a big issue about that. You know, I mean, I'm surprised I made it to lieutenant colonel. I, I, I really can't imagine how that happened. But at any rate, uh, yeah, there were a lot of attacks, and especially when I came out of... Uh, uh, on the thing on the Boston bombing and my my series on that explaining what that really was, they really came after me at that point, and they made a big issue about my my past, my my personal beliefs, and uh, you know my my actions and trying to find my way through life with with things that were important to me, and as a result of that, oh, it it was nasty. I mean, you know, I I had people you know, as you can imagine. You know, threatening me, accusing me of pedophilia, amongst other things. No, I, I definitely like women. You know, <laughs> and I'm not interested in the pedophilia stuff. But they always link that together because there are in every society, be it uh, you know a Mormon fundamentalist community or just uh, you know in politics, politicians. There is a you know, actually it's more it's more uh, common in, in amongst the political circles, and I think it is in some of the religious ones. This uh, this problem with pedophilia. Um, but uh, they definitely, you know, tried to smear my name from that way uh, in, in others, and as a result of that, yeah, I, I think it, I think it impacted my message, and I knew that that would be the case when I started. I went into what I was doing. It wasn't like I, I was hiding it. I mean, I was a public figure since the 1970s, you know. So, so I, 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 uh, I, I wasn't trying to hide it. It's just that I wanted to get the message out, and if somebody asked me about my background, I'd be freely, I'd freely tell them. But uh, yeah, they they tried to to use that to smear my my message, and, and I just kept going because the message is. I mean, I don't get it right 100% of the time. I don't think any of us do. But uh, considering where I've been, I mean, I was at the Army War College. I rubbed elbows with uh, people in the CFR, uh, you know, foreign leaders, uh, intelligence services, the CIA, the FBI. I mean, I've been I've been around it all. And uh, so I figured, well, uh, even if my message isn't received and they smear me, at least I will know that I didn't remain silent because silence is agreement. So I don't care what they do to me as far as my reputation is concerned. Um, I, will just, I will just put out the message and eventually uh, the truth will win out. And I think that's where I am today. Uh, you know, they, they still try to come after me on all sorts of things, but the fact of the matter is, is that uh, the things that I've been concerned about, uh, as you, as the things that you've been talking about for years, um, have actually started to happen and uh, are actually a lot worse than I thought they would be this this quickly. So, again, that's a long story. That yes, I I, I was concerned about my message being muddy because of that, but I I just went ahead with it anyway. Yeah, well, it takes courage to do that, and I respect the fact that you did do that. Um, Let's get into the balkanization of America. I have made um, strong references and written articles about Kosovo, Bosnia, and I said, this is what I think we're looking at um, shortly before the election. I think we're seeing signs of it already happening now. Um, talk about the balkanization and how you see that coming into America. Absolutely. Uh, 
I, I was I was stationed for a time um, after the <clears throat> Yugoslavia war, uh, after the Clintons bombed them, uh, the Serbs and all of that. I went there as part of the uh, um, the uh, NATO effort to keep peace. And I was stationed at Camp Butmir, which was the NATO headquarters there in Sarajevo. And one of the things that I did, uh, of course, was um, uh, Petraeus was there at the time, General Petraeus, and uh, he was in my direct line of uh, evaluations. He was my senior evaluator on my officer evaluation report. And <clears throat> one of the things he had all of his officers do and I don't remember the names of the books now. This is obviously quite a long time. This is too, right after 9-11. This is actually uh, uh, into 2002 at this point. And um, there were a couple of books that he had all of his officers read, and it talked about the situation with what happened in Yugoslavia. And, I, and uh, basically what occurred was is the same thing that we've seen both in, in, in the old Soviet Union, how it was broken up. Um, Iraq, for instance, uh, you know, as soon as we overthrew the, the – the the, uh, the, the 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 tough man, you know, the the, the little tyrant there, uh, uh, Saddam Hussein. Uh, then the entire country kind of fell apart, and there were you know there were different factions vying for power. So we've seen it happen there, but but in Yugoslavia it was really apparent because as you just mentioned, it broke up into into Bosnia Herzegovina, Serbia, Montenegro, uh, Albania, uh, Croatia, and uh, a, a place that they called the former Yugoslavia. In other words, it broke up uh, along religious and ethnic lines is what happened. As a matter of fact, the war uh, was caused because when Tito, the dictator, died, there was nobody that, that took his place that was strong enough, and so these different factions were able to pull the country apart. So I saw how that balkanization worked in real time, and uh, and I recognized that this was occurring in the United States even at that point, I knew. I mean, I had known about the division between political parties and the war and the government between the intelligence agencies and the DOD and all that. But, 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 but seeing uh, those things occur, I, and now seeing what the balkanization of Yugoslavia was like, uh, I could apply that to the United States. And that's really where we are now. We're seeing it uh, gain speed. Um, the, the government itself is fighting against itself at the various levels. Uh, we. And, and I'm probably going to say some things here, Dave, that you know your folks might not appreciate, but I I, I, I say it like I see it, you know, I tell it like I see it, and uh, so right at this point we've had uh, different uh, factions, especially in the legislative branch of the United States government, in other words, Congress, the Senate, and the House, uh, and they're they're they've been doing all these horrible things for actually for longer than the last four years, but. Uh, uh, of course, that's when all this stuff really came out, even more so the, the public could see it if they wanted. And so the, this polarization, this balkanization has been happening. We're not a united country anymore. We're breaking down uh, along ethnic, uh, you know, we, we had affirmative action and, you know, civil rights and all that back in the 60s. And now we're getting back to segregation and and uh, the, the, the dividing up of, of the different groups religiously and ethnically and politically. We have entire states like California looking to secede. Uh, of course, New York, look where they are. Oregon, Washington State, uh, all of these states that are that are basically saying. Uh, and, and I believe in states' rights. Don't misunderstand me, because the federal government got 
its charter uh, from the states and from the people. So I do believe in states' rights, but but the weakness in our system was that as well, uh, and it's breaking up along those lines, and it's being helped by these same people that helped to break up Yugoslavia, that caused all the problems in the Soviet Union, that uh, that did the horrible things that have happened in China, uh, in uh, Cambodia, uh, all these different places, and and we're going through that now. We can point fingers at at uh, the different groups, you know, and I do believe that they are, oh, I don't believe, I know that they are Maoist-centered. Uh, some people would say Marxist, but regardless, they're tyrannical uh, Maoists generally at this point, and uh, China has been um, basically putting a chisel in those cracks and, and breaking us apart, and unfortunately we've had people in our own government that have sold us out at wholesale, and so... Uh, we're headed in a real bad spot right now where there's going – I mean, we are in a civil war. There's no doubt that that's the case. We're in the beginning in the beginning phases of it. Actually, it's starting to move kinetic, as, as you're probably aware uh, at this point. Um, we're right on schedule. I'm not even certain that we'll make it to the election, actually, but certainly yeah, after the you're, election. You're the third inter- – Roy, you're the third interviewee I've had in the last two days that has said that exact statement. They're not sure that we're going to make it to the election because we could be in full-blown fighting on our streets. Yeah, and there will be people that will disagree with that. Uh, you know, I, I, and I don't want to name any names here, but the, there are people in who have been in the intelligence community um, who have a vested interest in telling us that we're not going to go into a civil war, uh, a shooting kind. Um, but but I, I see all the signs that that will happen, and I don't have any... I don't have any hidden agendas that I'm trying to support. I'm just calling it like I see it, like I said. Um, the big question is, and I know this is this is this is the point where people are going to have a hard time with me. Uh, I was behind Trump 100%. Um, you know, I thought you know he was serious about what he was going to do. I saw the entire thing where the establishment seemed to stand up against him. Uh, the lack of support from the, the likes of Ryan and, you know, of course, the other the other Republican rhinos. Uh, we, we expected the attacks from the Dems, from the Democrats, but the, the rhinos, uh, we were really uh, upset that that happened, of course, the deep state. Well, I, I thought that that was all legitimate initially. I thought that these things were actually happening because uh, he really was a threat to them. Um so I voted for him, and I thought, well, good Americans will get behind him, and we'll, we'll see it through. Well, a few days after the election, as president-elect, he gave me my first real disappointment. Well, actually, it was before that. The first real disappointment I had, and, and don't misunderstand me, I don't have anything against these people. I just don't like it pushed on me or my family. Uh, he took the LGBTQ flag, and he waved it and had a big smile on his face during one of his campaign speeches. Mm-hmm. And that 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 was a major issue with me because I, you know, in my spiritual studies and, and history studies, I understand the degradation, the, uh, the, the depletion of, of a people when they go down that road, um, and I don't need to get into it. Like I say, it'll get a lot of people mad, but I saw him do that, and that was my first warning sign. And then right after he became president-elect, he said, of course, he was asked by a reporter, I don't remember who it was, it was a lady, and, and she asked him if, if he was going to go ahead and, and uh, prosecute uh, Hillary. And he said, oh, no, the Clintons are good people. And I went, you know, you didn't have to say they were good people. <laughs> you know, I know, I had a problem with that, said, too. 
yeah, he, he could have said, well, I've got to look at it. You know, we, we know that there are some problems, but, but we're going to look at it like he does so many other things where he's not committal. But no, he came right out and said he wasn't going to. Well, then I knew that was a problem. And then, of course, after he took office, uh, the attack on Syria based on spurious intelligence uh, uh, about the chemical attack. So he had three strikes on him by, uh, by just a, a short time after his inauguration. Um, and yet I still gave him the benefit of the doubt. I kept saying, well, you know, he's a neophyte politician. You know, he's brought the wrong people in. Even at that point, I knew it. Uh, he didn't stand up for Flynn. He let Flynn go without a fight. Um, and, and, of course, uh, Rich Higgins was thrown out not long after that. Uh, McMaster was one of the worst picks. I realized he was looking for a national security advisor, but I couldn't believe that he'd go with McMaster. I knew about McMaster from a long time before that. And I, it was just like, who's telling this guy to hire these people? I don't get it. All neocons, you know, we've seen it, all the deep state people. So that was, a, that was like strike four, but I, I, I still was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but as things progressed and he continued to hire the deep state uh, and the neocons and he, it's not that he couldn't have brought other people in it's just that he refused to do so whether it was because of Kushner and Ivanka or, or whomever else you know uh, I really don't care uh, the fact is, is that uh, he, 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 he fell off the wagon that's exactly what happened and um, you know, I followed the Q thing for a while, and, and I, I was thinking, well, okay, maybe he is trying to, to raise them in. I, I think I followed Q for about a month and a half, maybe two months. I uh, was giving it some credence because I had seen intelligence operations look, work like that before, but then I saw these predictions that, of course, never came through, uh, true, like the arrest of Hillary and that she's going to be indicted and they're going to throw her in jail, and that's just one example. There were lots of others, and, of course, that never happened. And then uh, by the time uh, uh, January came around, I was starting to be very suspicious, actually, around Thanksgiving and Christmas, and uh, was starting to pull back from it. And then in January came the DEFCON uh, debacle, where Q said that, uh, you know, we were at DEFCON 1. And that, I mean, they were obviously people that didn't know what a DEFCON 1 was. Uh, and then it was covered up, though, with that situation with the supposed uh, false uh, warning attack in Hawaii, and then I'm and then I'm starting to wonder, okay, where's this Q stuff coming from? And uh, I came down real hard on on Trump at that point because I thought he was behind it, and uh, whether or not he was, he certainly wasn't saying one way or the other. But uh, then things just kind of fell apart after that. It kept getting worse and worse. Uh, we've had every all these distractions, and you know, one one thing, and, and I could go through so much here. But one distraction after another, one, one event after another, and we could say, yeah, the, the Democrats are attacking him, or, or he's using it as a cover so he can say he can't do what he promised to do. And without getting into all of my reasoning about that, I finally come to the point where I believe that, you know, we point the finger at, at Obama as being the Manchurian candidate and, uh, and uh, you know, um, the guy who was out to destroy the government. Um, but when I look at where we are under Trump and the things that he's done, for instance, pushing the red flag laws, another big warning, uh, take the guns first and then do process. Who in the hell does he think he is? Um, and then, of course, the situation with this entire situation with uh, uh, the Wuhan virus. Um, the, the moment that, that, that he brought that task force together, again, who did he use? 
deep state people that had been in there for 30 something years. He didn't get a second. If you go to a doctor, Dave, and they tell you, you have a have a terminal illness, what's the first thing you do? Second you want opinion. to go look for a yep. second opinion. Exactly. That's the first thing. You, are you telling me that this president, who's supposed to be the smartest president we've ever had, didn't know that he should have gotten a second opinion, especially he should have gotten it outside the establishment, but he didn't. He went with it. So that, and now his his entire, I mean, he pretends like he's against Fauci, but he won't fire him. People say, oh, he can't do that. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll throw him under the bus. Well, at this point, what difference does it make? Do the you, right you know, thing. Roy, here's what he could do with Fauci. It's so clear. He's on the board of directors for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Conflict of interest. Yeah. He's a federal employee with a conflict of interest. That's the basis for his firing. Nothing else needs to be said. I agree 100%. But, but, and, and here's where I'm going to get nasty, Dave. Trump either doesn't have the guts, he's incompetent, or he's complicit. And I think he's complicit. Uh, I think this whole thing with Gisling Maxwell, uh, I don't think that she was brought out to put, put, put Trump in line to, to threaten him. I think, I think it's the same old the same old play that he's done the whole time, that he's the victim, that he can't do anything because he's, he's, he's so persecuted and picked on and accused of things. Uh, uh, you, you know, one of the big, the big uh, explanations for him and, and the Maxwell thing and the Epstein thing now is, and I mean, pardon me, I'm going to, I hope this isn't bad, but Alex Jones is starting to cover for him and say, well, you know, he was an FBI informant. He was, he was helping to, to, to gather information on the Epsteins. Well, unfortunately, that is a cover story that I don't buy, and that, uh, that's all that is, is a cover story uh, to, to explain why he had these contacts with, with Epstein. Um, whether or not he actually did provide information, the FBI is immaterial. The fact of the matter is, is all of that, as we've seen with so many other things with this entire bit of nonsense that's been going on, uh, that could be the cover story so that he has a reason to have had these associations with Epstein, and I don't buy it. And... Uh, so where we are right now, especially with the Wuhan virus, uh, you know, his, his association is pushing this Operation Warp Speed. Uh, people, I mean, what happened to HIPAA? Why is it that HIPAA is not being used right now? Instead, everybody has to wear a mask and, and you know, all, all this nonsense that's going on. Uh, people, a dehumanization of mankind. And the big one is this, Dave. All right. I don't know who this guy is. But he's pushing Gates, he's pushing Gavi, he's pushing uh, Inovio in Israel, Israel, I think that's the name of it. All these different vaccines that are being rushed through. And he already knows about hydroxychloroquine and whatever else. And yet, why is he still pushing this? Well, there's a scripture. And I'm not saying he's the guy, but he's definitely on board with the program. And the beast made war with the saints and wore out the saints of the Most High, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It talks about the beast of the sea and the beast of, of the earth. And again, these could just be metaphors, but these, these things get repeated throughout history. Uh, I wrote a book called The Crimson Thread, uh, which I think you probably have heard about. Yes. Um, and, and it talks about some of this. And so what we've got here is a guy now who is actually pushing for everybody to receive Everybody will say, well, he's not going to mandate it. Well, he doesn't have to because everything Trump does is by proxy and uh, 
you know, so that he can blame somebody else using plausible deniability. But he's setting up the chips just like he did with the red flag laws so that everybody will be required like they are now with this mask nonsense. By the way, I was a CBR NBC officer in the Army, too. That was one of my additional duties. I was a nuclear chemical accident incident control officer for the region uh, in California, Nevada, uh, Arizona, and uh, became uh, a uh, provo marshal for the largest chemical weapons storage depot in the world. So I know a lot about what masks do and what they don't, and this all is nonsense. So he's pushed that. Uh, he came out and said, oh, it's patriotic to wear a mask. No, it isn't. <laughs> That's a corruption of what patriotism is. And then, of course, he's, he talked about the measles when the big situation with the breakup of, of the breakout of the measles came. He said, oh, they've got to get their shot. So here's a guy who, who, who ran on, you know, you can't, we got to do something about these bad vaccinations. He saw apparently what had happened to his son, and now he's pushing uh, the, the, the measles MMR shots for everybody. And here we are now with the Wuhan thing within pushing Operation Warp Speed and saying that we're going to use the military to get all of this out. The military. <laughs> well, that tells well, you the that level mean? of enforcement and the fact it's not going to be voluntary. Exactly. If I want the shot, I'll go to my doctor and ask for it. Who the hell does he think he is having people in uniforms, even if they're not in uniform? Oh, we're here from the Army. We're here to help you. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, no. If I want the vaccine, I can go get it on my own. If he, if he wants to set it up in, in free distribution points, that's fine. But, but, but this is an underhanded way, just like with the red flag laws, to, to set it up so that the governors and the mayors and these other people can, can uh, to force it on us to make it mandatory. And so he, he is forcing everybody to accept the mark in the, in the forehead and in the hand, uh, which is really talking about the mind and the heart. But uh, that's, that's what's happening here. And so I, I have lost total – well, I, I never really trusted him. I just, I just hoped that he would take the right course. But we're at a point now where after what I've seen happen around the world in other countries and all the waffling that he's done and the going back and forth, he's, he's either not – a strong character well he isn't <laughs> he's either not a strong leader or he's complicit in all of this and, and i just nobody will change my mind the only thing that will change it is if he repents and openly does so and that's not going to happen he's never going to do that um you know he's he's performed his job very well placating all of us thinking that he was going to take care of it all he's the great champion i'm your champion he said i will never lie to you well, unfortunately, he's not our champion. He's our executioner, and he has lied to us more than once. And there are lies of omission and commission, and he's, com and he's committed both of those. So I don't trust him anymore. I consider him uh, a, 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 an enemy of, of Americans, uh, an enemy of the Constitution, and even I would go so far as to say an enemy of God. So there you are. <laughs> wow. I probably spilled my guts to you all the way. And I can get into a lot more detail, but for the sake of your audience, you know, the seat can, when I can only endure what the, the, absorb what the seat can endure. So I'm going to let you go from here. <laughs> well, I don't think there's, you should hold back. I think uh, this is why I asked you to talk about your background. This is full disclosure. And um, I think, I think that um, there's a lot of validity to what you're saying. There is an alternative view about his uh, less than supportive nature of the rights of the people under the Constitution, because as uh, Judge Deaver said, a federal district court judge, there is no pandemic exception to the Constitution, and the president doesn't seem to realize that. But there are some people who think that 
he's getting bad advice and he's following that bad advice. You minimally address that idea, and I think you reject that, don't you? I do, because, you know, uh, as Rich Higgins said, uh, poor guy, here I am invoking him again. He and I have had a few run-ins over all this, but uh, Rich Higgins, the guy that the McMaster threw out of the NSC, uh, excellent man, brilliant, uh, he, uh, he, he brought it out. And, of course, I knew it from my Army career and, and other things. Uh, personnel is policy. So you can't bring people in that oppose. I mean, you know, you you may trust other people to do your interviews and to choose people for you, but if they if they put a knife in your back, you fire the hires. What the hell's wrong with the guy? If somebody's bringing people in that you don't uh, uh, agree, that you wouldn't want to be in there because they disagree with you openly, fire the people that are hiring them. And and not even that has happened. So um, I. You know, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's just mere lack of, of good advice. I think that I think he has a lack of character, personality, and he has absolutely zero principles. He's never read the Constitution. I'd be willing to bet on it. He may have heard about it. He may have heard about the Bill of Rights. I'll bet you he couldn't even name three of them. No, I mean he talks about the Second Amendment as a way to when he sees things going bad, he says, "Oh, they're going to take your Second Amendment away from you." Well, unfortunately, we've lost more Second Amendment rights and 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 all of that under him than probably any president before him. So, no, I, I don't I don't buy that he's getting just bad advice. I think it's his nature to be like this, and that he's a very evil guy. If, if we bootstrap that argument to the Democratic and the um, mass media incessant smearing of his name and the outright fabrications. Um, is it just part of the facade that the left is playing to cast him as a, as a supporter of the people and the fundamental rights of man? Oh, and and uh, this is part of an act to make the public think he's on our side? Uh, this is the age of deception, and here we go with the scripture again. And I'm not, I'm not basing these things just on scripture. I'm basing it on how I've seen this happen in other nations and other places in the world and in history. Uh, the scripture says, uh, you know, the, the disciples of Jesus asked him uh, when these things would come to pass. And the first words out of his mouth were, see that ye be not deceived. And then you, you go to different areas in the, in the Old Testament, but particularly the New, where, where, where it talks about the, that, that uh, this would be a time of great deception and delusion. Uh, you know, God would send them strong delusion that they believe a lie. Um, the serpent is the most subtle beast of the field. I'll tell you who Trump is playing. At first, I thought he might be a Cyrus, as he's been, you know, as people have talked about. But then I saw him on the coin with Netanyahu, and they're talking about them being the sons of light. And then I saw them name uh, that area in the Golan Heights after Trump, and they spelled his name with a with a tet, which is the serpent in in the Hebrew. Uh, it means serpent. Uh, it's the it's the ninth letter of the Hebrew alphabet and means means serpent. They didn't use the tav, which is the cross or the crown. They used the tet. <laughs> you know, some of these things sound like well, you know, well, no, that's just happenstance. No, when you add the whole thing together, there's something else that's going on here. And and, and this is this is the bottom line that I, I guess I'd have to get to, and that is that he is pretending to be. Not the Cyrus, the Jews are taking him that way, the Israelis are by and large, not the Orthodox so much, but some of the others. Uh, 
some people look at him as, as being, you know, uh, something greater than that. But I think who he's trying to pretend to be is the marred servant of Isaiah 52. Um, a lot of people think that the, the Isaiah 52 is all about Jesus. It isn't. There's a separate person there, and that's the marred servant. And the marred servant is attacked like you're talking about. Uh, I think this is the type of thing where he he has pretended to be this marred servant so that he could get us who, who wanted to support him to feel sorry for him and think that, that he's getting attacked by all these people as the marred servant in Isaiah 52 did. Um, but in reality, what that is, as I've already said, is it's a tactic to disarm us about, his, about the danger that he presents to us and his actual support for the system that is trying to, to take us down. He's not for the United States. He's not for America. He's not for the Constitution. He is purposely acting the victim so that we, but yet the champion, that he's going to fix everything <laughs> so that he would placate us into, into, into complacency, that we don't have to worry about it. It's all going to be taken care of. And look what we've lost in the last three and a half years. And, and he's not done with us yet. So I think he's, I think he's actually aligned with the dark powers. Uh, I've seen the type of stuff he has in his home uh, there in New York in Trump Tower. Uh, you know, I don't have those kind of things, <laughs> you know, and I wouldn't have them. Not if I was what I what he says he is that he's that he's a Christian. No way. I mean, it's one thing to have appreciation for art, but it's another thing to 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 have these things in your presence because when you the type of art that you keep around you speaks a lot about who you are and your personality i mean you don't keep you don't keep something in your house that you don't like right <laughs> you want to put things in there that you have an appreciation for that you have some type of association to so i have a lot of problems with him i i don't think he was ever what he what he claimed to be and that he was placed in here to oversee uh the destruction of the united states by keeping the conservatives um, the constitutionalists, the people that really love America, from reacting until they could get their plans totally in place, and we wouldn't be able to react. Uh, then, if they put Hillary in, in if she had won the 2016 election, there would have been an uproar right then. Uh, so they had to slow cook us. They had to raise the temperature slowly. Uh, think that we had this master defender uh, who was pulling the strings and pulling the, the halls of power to, to take care of the, of the uh, iniquities and the, and the corruption in the government. And in reality, what, what's happened is uh, we're, we're further down the road than, than uh, we would have been, I think, if Hillary had come in, because we would, have, we would have known to rise up at that point. Interesting. So <clears throat> let me share with you a story, and then I'll make an analogy here. When uh, the president's press secretary was doing a presentation on Portland and she was very concerned about the indifference of the White House press corps to the human suffering that was going on in places like Portland and Seattle, she broke away and played a clip of the violence in Portland that would show that these were not peaceful protests, as the media was uh, basically saying. And it's interesting because Fox News broke away from the video that she was showing at the press conference. And I said, there's right. your proof, they're controlled opposition. Now, bootstrapping that concept into Trump, 
It sounds to me like you believe he was put in place to be controlled opposition as an anesthetic to people rising up in the spirit of populism. I, I, that's exactly what I think. I think you, I think you framed that quite well. Um, if, if you if you watch the people in the national security apparatus, the good guys, uh, I'm throwing Rich Higgins in on that. Uh, people like that. Um, they're, they're not going to go against Trump. They're not going to come out publicly and say it. But but they're 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 showing that there are problems. Uh, Rich has asked questions like. When is somebody in authority going to stand up to the communist takeover that's happening in the United States? When, when is somebody going to stand up and, and realize that these, these different events, and he lists them, are the, the, the chronological order primarily. I mean, you don't always have to go in the order that he presented as far as taking down a nation. But who's going to, who's going to step in and, and, and counter these moves made by the leftist Marxist monolists? Who's going to counter that, and who's going to do these steps one through ten? Okay. Well, obviously he's pointing at the president. <laughs> you know, obviously yeah. he doesn't want to say it any any more than I mean. You, you have uh, Lieutenant Colonel Anthony Schaefer. You, you know, retired officers have to be careful that they because they can still get charged under the UCMJ, even though they're retired. Which was which is another issue. Why hasn't McChrystal? Why hasn't McMaster? Why hasn't Petraeus? Why hasn't Mattis, et cetera, yeah, et cetera? A... Why haven't these general offices, officers been held in, in, in violation of the UCMJ and charged? You're, you're, you're making an excellent it. case. Oh. Roy, we're almost out of time, yeah. and I've got to tell you, you're making an excellent point as to the, uh, shall we say, the uh, Trojan horse aspect of what you think of the Trump administration is. And it's hard to argue with what you're saying. I, I don't want to believe it, but it's hard to argue with it. Tell people how they can find your YouTube channel. Okay, um, I'm on, uh, of course, YouTube. Uh, my my channel is uh, it's all lowercase letters and it's all jammed together, no space between them. Roy Potter QA. The QA doesn't stand for Q. It, it means question and answer. So when I first started my channel, it was Roy Potter question and answer. So Roy Potter QA, all lowercase letters. Do you get pushed back from YouTube? Do you get harassed? Oh, all the time. I mean, I, uh, it's subtle. Uh, I'll tell you that I, I, people say, well, Roy, if what you're saying is, why weren't you taken down uh, from YouTube a long time ago? Mm -hmm. And uh, the reason is, is because I, I was technically a part of the IC. So they like to keep me where they can keep track of what I'm doing. I mean, I, obviously that's the case. That's exactly and then, right. And then, yeah, and then and then you've got people you know that, that get a hold of me like like you, like Nancy Morgan Hart of uh, Headlines with a Voice, like Gigi Sims, like like Rich Higgins, all these people that are really into this. All you good folks are all out there, and uh, and, and yeah. unfortunately, Dave, if you weren't under surveillance before you talked to me, sure, sure. Well, I, I've now. been under surveillance and <laughs> harassment. Hey, look, we're out of time, my friend, and I, this has been. Uh, interesting it's going to give people a lot to consider and we're going to have to do this again thanks for joining us roy thank you dave i hope you have a wonderful evening thank you take care <laughs>